Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. You have to find ways to win. Um, and, you know, I've said for a while this team needs to score and get back to scoring and having that, that mentality, and that came through for us the other night. Uh, but the, the great thing is to play back-to-back, and we know we need to play better tonight, and we know we can play better. I thought a lot of guys didn't look like themselves the other night, and I think they'll be better. And then uh, you get to make some adjustments, and I think we, we, based on the other day, we can make a couple of adjustments that should help us. And, of course, in that 5-2 win over the Flyers, they did have an adjustment in the lineup with Brandon Byro in the mix, and he mm-hmm. rewarded them with a two-goal performance. Lucas Rusek is up from Rochester and expected to play tonight as well. And Connor Clifton returns from a two-game suspension on the blue line. We suspect it'll all happen in front of Uko Pekalukinen as Buffalo Marty looks for a third straight win. Yeah, and uh, one of the big adjustments I believe the Sabres need to make, and it's great. First of all, you played the Flyers Wednesday uh, you won the game, but you won the game in a way that you felt like you you probably played a 50% game at best, I think. Like, other than the scoring of goals, mm-hmm. I think when you look at the uh, the play in all three zones and everything, probably it was a 50% type game, a 5 out of 10 maybe, and you win the game, 5-2, fine, you move on. But now you can make adjustments. You play them again. I think this is a great teaching time for Don Granado and his team to say, hey, we're going to play the same team. Let's see if you can... Uh, grasp the adjustments we want to make. First adjustment, can't give up unmanned rushes to the Flyers like you did on Wednesday night. Like, it just can't happen. So what does that mean? Is that defending in your def- defensive zone or is it defending in the offensive zone? No, it's defending in the offensive zone. Have somebody that's on the defensive side always reload. Don talks about reloading through the middle. Always have players in motion. That's that's what it takes. Uh, so players in motion leads to more jump. More jump leads to more offense. More offense leads to the other team doesn't have the puck and leads to a better game. 33% shooting rate uh, against Philly in the first of this home-and-home set. Over if, or if, if that continues, uh, I will uh, eat this uh, black and red cap. Be careful. On this station yeah. of WGR 550, yeah. Jeremy White once said that if yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights made the playoffs, he would eat a flip-flop. Yeah. Um, so he ate this flip-flop. It was a cake, and maybe we'll have to make a cap <laughs> out of cake for you. Well, obviously, I would like it if they scored at 33%. They've scored 19 goals in the last four games in yes. total. They've won three of those four. They've scored three or more in seven of the last eight to get the season average up to 3.2. And again, Rusek comes into the mix tonight, which is interesting and 
challenging from the Amherst side of things because uh, they're playing at home tonight against Utica. And let me quickly veer into the territory they find themselves in. <laughs> Byro and Rusek have been called up from the Amherst to the Sabres. They are without Mersh, mm-hmm. Murray, Weisbach, Kisikov, Noichev, and Warren. Yes. That is now eight forwards when you include the healthy Byro and Rusek. And then after tomorrow, they're going to lose Matt Savoy as well because Savoy's conditioning loan will end after mm-hmm. they wrap up their game uh, tonight in against Utica and tomorrow against Syracuse. So it's going to be quite the interesting lineup for the Amherst this evening. Uh, they do have Damian Giroux expected in the mix, and they have all of their defensemen playing in front of Dustin Tokarski for the first time this year. But here, obviously, is where our focus is. Yeah, and, and, and Rusek gets called up, right? And I think a lot of it is the timing. You just mentioned a couple more days for Matt Savoy's conditioning mm-hmm. stint in Rochester, and then we'll have to get called up. Now the Sabres have a game today and tomorrow, so you're looking, okay, Byro got to play a game Wednesday. He gets tonight and tomorrow most likely. We'll Rusek, hear from Brandon coming up here shortly. Yeah, Rusek gets tonight and tomorrow most likely. So now you're looking, okay, we've given players an opportunity to see where they're at mm-hmm. and evaluate them because Matt Savoy is going to need to either come up to Buffalo, play some games, or be sent to juniors, which I don't think it's it's going to happen just now. I think he'll come up to Buffalo and get a chance to play some games. But you have a little bit of a, a, a two-day buffer zone here where you can evaluate other players before you have to call up Savoy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great opportunity for Rusek and a continued opportunity for Byro. We'll talk to him uh, playing with uh, Thompson and uh, Greenway. And we'll get more on just the overall... Um you know, kind of view on these individual players and team philosophy tonight on our pregame coverage at 6.30 on MSG because GM Kevin Adams will give us an update as to just, you know, why they've made these moves here in wake of Benson and Comrie going on injured reserve Mm -hmm. with their lower body injuries. And, of course, Jack Quinn is still on there as well. So um, when you look at the opportunity for Rusek, it's impossible not to recognize what he did in his first NHL game, and that was score on his first shift last year. Uh, He ended up with two points in the two games that he played. And Seth Appert said this morning that the beauty of Rusek is that because of his very, very, very high offensive intellect, players in the lineup enjoy playing with him Mm -hmm. because they know he can find that right speed right away. Um, That's not an anomaly at all, but have you you noticed that over the course of your career when you get that right fit where, you know, some people, players in the room might not know a ton about him, but then as soon as he comes up to this level, it's like, oh, his instincts are really good here. Yeah, so one example that comes to mind is Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux was playing with the Philadelphia Phantoms. Mm -hmm. We knew he was a good player, but as soon as he got called up, you're like, well, this guy guy needs to stay here now. Like, we don't want to send him back. And Mm -hmm. I think there is uh, maybe a same feeling inside the locker room with Brendan Byro. Because he's a very high hockey sense type of player. Player loves playing with him. Lucas Rusek's the same way. Although I see Rusek as more of a um, 200-foot type player, maybe even more of a defensive responsible type player. Mm. Like in the role that I can see him developing. He has some physicality to his game. He's strong. He is really strong on pucks in all three zones. So, um, yeah, maybe like Byro got an opportunity to play 
with Thompson and Greenway right away. Mm -hmm. um, Rusek probably won't get the same opportunity to play with, you know, a 47-goal scorer from last year. But Well, there was only one of them on the team, so in his defense, I would agree. But yeah. I think he's going to be playing with two extremely offensive players. Yes, so. which would be fine. But I think when you look at Rusek, for me, is his role right now with this team will always come more, in my opinion, from a defensive side of the mm -hmm. game, uh, maybe a well-rounded side of the game, go out and kill penalties side of the game because we know that you have the abilities to do, to do so. Where I see Byro more as a, well, play on an offensive line, maybe get some power play time. Like it's different, different evaluation for different players. Yeah, I think they're very similar in the roles that they could be put into. Um, and obviously, you don't want to tinker too much with the penalty kill. It's top five in the NHL right now, so the hope is that that continues. But the power play is the more interesting wrinkle here because it's still sitting at just 10% and is 0 for 7 in the last three games. So will the uh, incumbents be the ones to push it forward, or will there be newcomers that cause a little bit of a tweak and uh, some new wrinkles in all of this? But, you know, they're up against a Flyer team that that um, undoubtedly laments not cashing in on the 40 shots on goal they had against Lukanen last game. They also lost their starting netminder Carter Hart to a mid-body yep. injury. He's day-to-day. -day. They lost their best overall player, Sean Couturier, to a lower-body injury. He's day-to-day. -day. And the Flyers have lost three in a row in five of their last six. Yeah, the, the Carter Hart situation we saw it play out in the last game he left halfway in the first period and yeah. you know the Sabres didn't muster much after Carter Hart left it actually coincided with the Sabres game disappearing yes it's almost like they felt oh we can relax now they got the Sam Urson in that and we're going to take advantage of it it didn't happen until the third period but it wasn't for a multiple a shot attempts and all of that it was just they had high rate of success in the few shots they got um, Sean Couturier didn't see that coming, right? right? You watch the game, you watch him play, you're like, oh, everything looks good, and now all of a sudden you hear he's day-to-day -day with the lower body. That's a big blow to the Flyers, in my opinion, uh, which they didn't have him all last year. Uh, they didn't have Cam Atkinson all last year mm -hmm. or most of the year. You're looking at you know, Couturier and Atkinson giving them a chance to really start building and rebuilding and getting the success, and now 50% of that duo that you're really looking at is uh, not going to be around for, for tonight and possibly a few days. Quiet night in the NHL, just two on this Friday, but one of them happens right here at Key Bank Center as it is Philadelphia and Buffalo. Last night, 12 games. It's hard to feel like you win when watching the out-of-town scoreboard, but on a night when Tampa, Detroit, Carolina, Ottawa, Washington, and Montreal all picked up zero points and Toronto mm -hmm. picked up just one, I think you would take that just about every night of the regular season. When you season said quiet night court. in the NHL? I thought you meant last night. I was like, it was not, it was anything no. but quiet. But you, uh, you fooled me with going with tonight first and going back to last. Well, night. I'm not going to fool you with this. A week from tonight, it's Hockey Fights Cancer yes. Night right here at Key Bank Center in partnership with our good friends at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. November 10th, 7 p.m. Minnesota Wild are the opponent, and of course. All fans in attendance will receive a Hockey Fights Cancer scarf, so you can get your tickets now at sabers.com slash HFC. Game three of Brandon Byro's career at the NHL level happens tonight. First time in black and red. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> it's going to be exciting. It's fun to watch when they're wearing them, so 
Uh, hopefully we can get another one in a bit. Did he give you, like, brand-new gloves, brand-new pants, everything, or did you pick out some of the used stuff so it would be a little bit easier to uh, to break in? No, it's all new. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, cause a fuss about it. Whatever they gave me, I'll take. So. Yeah. You sense the, uh, sense the guys really like it, though, that there's some kind of difference when they put this on? Yeah, I mean, look good, feel good, so... Uh, I think the guys, the guys like them. So you know, what's funny is that before leaving for Philadelphia, I saw that the team practice in black and red, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, wait, they're, they're not wearing black. Is is this like trying to use the the energy from the black and red that on Tuesday before leaving they actually wore it, or it's just I know it was because it was going to happen, but mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like there's a different energy, and you want to borrow from that now, even when you're wearing royal and gold. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean. Didn't quite have the best game the other day, but I mean, we got the win, That's so true. I don't know. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the colors that, that helped us get the win, but I don't, I don't know for sure. So it's quite the journey between NHL games for you, uh, circling all the way back to that debut in Montreal, and then to this most recent one in Philadelphia. Did you have family members at either family and friends? Uh, not last night, but the one in Montreal, my parents and my aunt and uncle were able to make it. So. And what about tonight? Uh, both my parents are going to come tonight. So. Fantastic! Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Alberta, from Alberta. Yeah, from Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. good. Good. Do good. they do they get nervous? And and I, look, my brother played. He was a defenseman. I was a goalie. I think my parents loved it when my brother played because they could relax. When I played, they got very nervous. But everybody's different. How do your parents react to you playing, uh, and and watching you sometime live, sometime on TV? I think they get really nervous. Okay. Uh, my dad like to pretend like he doesn't. I think, but he, I know he does. At least what my mom says. So. I mean, watching, you get real nervous. Even when I'm in the stands watching, I get nervous. When yeah. I play, I don't. So it's, something about it's watching. It's worse watching, like, your team, your teammates when you're on the outside. I, I felt I got nervous more on the bench as a backup than I did in games. But, um, I, I mean, yeah, being a parent, I think that would uh, that would be nerve-wracking. First NHL game, first NHL goal, I'd be losing my mind. Were they involved much, um, you know, either coaching, administratively, in your upbringing in hockey? Were they part, were big parts of the teams that you played on? Yeah, my dad coached me yeah. probably, I don't know, maybe three or four times throughout my, my career. And then spring hockey, he would coach too. So uh, he didn't play, and yeah. I don't know how much he actually knows about hockey. <laughs> Uh, no, he knows a decent amount, but uh, he he did coach me, coach me growing up. Now the 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 trick thing with parents coaching is that kids usually don't listen to the parents; they listen to everybody else. It doesn't matter if you know you played a ten year career in the NHL or if you were a high school hockey player. They don't listen to their their parents. Did you listen to your dad when he coached, or did they have to have somebody else sp- send the message through, like an assistant coach, to you? Uh, no, he would talk to me, but I would. Probably talk back to him, uh, not like I would to anyone else. So I think if I was playing good, he said something. Maybe I'd be a little more receptive to it. But if I wasn't playing good, he said something. I don't know. Sometimes it would be a little different than Dad. What have you done in your hockey career? Right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly how I would go. You have have siblings that uh, are into sports. Yeah, I have a younger brother who plays uh, NCAA hockey. So okay, Okay. yeah, nice. Get to watch him. And was he coached by by your dad? Yeah, he coached. He coached my brother, too, yes. Nice. And nice. where does he play? He's at uh, AIC. Okay, okay. So he's in this uh, Atlantic Hockey Conference, right? Yeah. AIC, so he, is he, have you seen him play in against Canisius or Niagara or RIT or anybody? Uh, no, unfortunately, I haven't. Okay. Uh, I mean, in Rochester, we always play every Friday, Saturday, and yeah. that's when uh, – that's when they play. So, I mean, hopefully if the scheduling works up, I haven't really l- looked out. But. That's that's cool. Is he, uh, 
Is he a forward? Yeah, he's a forward as well. Okay. Is he looking up to you and you're giving him tricks, or is he on his own? No, I think it kind of goes both ways. Okay. Uh, he's got some good skill, too, so when I watch him, I try to, you know, learn what I can, and, you know, he asks me questions, so we kind of go back and forth, so it's a, it's a good relationship for that. I like that. And Carter Hart was on your team as a teenager? Yeah. You scored your first goal against him the yeah. other day. Yeah, it was uh, pretty funny how, how that works out, and... Um, you know, he was one of my good buddies growing up, and yeah. and it was funny how, yeah, the first one was on him. Amazing. It's just amazing how the journey can go around like that. And Sam Steele was a big high-scoring teammate of yours back in the day, too? Sam yeah, right? yeah, Sam and I played together for a couple of years. Um, actually played uh, spring hockey with Jost for five or six years. He was actually one of my best friends growing up, so it's kind of funny yeah. how... It all comes full circle. Yeah. That's good. Now, walk me through your first goal. You talked about how Tage went in the corner and gave it a shoulder check, and you said, I got to find a spot in front of the net. But I use the, the, the term Jedi mind trick a lot, like when it comes to goaltending, and you, you, know, you think you're beaten, but you almost guide the puck into your glove. Did you watch the puck come up front and, like, wheel it to your stick? Because it wasn't going to your stick. It was going to the right side, which would be the wrong side for you. And then it catches Carter Hart's stick, and it goes to the right side for you to be able to put it in. So did you, like, stare that puck down and wheel it over to your stick? Did I wheel it over? I wish I could say that I had that, that ability, but honestly, it was just lucky. I don't even know. I don't know if a bounce like that's ever happened for me. So. Oh, well, there's always a, a first thing for everything. Yeah, Why don't you ask him about time of possession from the other night? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I dug in a really cool stat yesterday looking at possession time in the offensive zone. You scored two goals against Philly. You had the puck for three seconds on your stick in the offensive zone. Are you a puck possession guy or are you just uh, it's on my stick and then it's gone right away <laughs> i mean three seconds of possession would say that i'm not but i'd like to be a little more than three seconds so hopefully we can get that number up a little bit more tonight Good. yeah it was an anomaly i mean that was yes. that's why marty was looking through the whole thing as you said it wasn't it wasn't the type of game necessarily that you would have loved as a team but you get the w so what is it like now that the group has won a couple in a row you i think very clearly have woven yourself into this group by your preseason play and then now coming right back up. So what does it feel like expectation-wise when you, you, know, you get back into another one tonight? Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I you know, feel pretty comfortable here, so mm-hmm. I don't really want to set my ex- expectations too high or anything. And since I feel comfortable, I'm just going to go out and play how I always can play. And it's pretty easy when you're playing with, with Tomer and Greener, so yeah. Um, I just try not to mess up. Basically, that's that's what I think. He looks pretty good too. On huh? this thing's kind of healed yeah, up now. Healed after up a, a little bit, uh, nice uh, little scar there. Those it's tough to shave around the, the 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 nose and the top lip scar there. Yeah, it's a little tough. Uh, it was healing up nice. I got stitches out. Then first game of the season in Rochester, first shift, I got high sticked again and oh. cut the whole thing open. Had to get stitches again. So it's been a bit of a, a process, but uh, it's healing up. Miss, you talk about Rochester. Now you get called up. And you come into the locker room. What? When's the first time you saw Byro Thompson Greenway on the board? And what did that feel like? Because not a lot of people get called up and then get put in that situation. Usually, you maybe get you know ten minutes on the fort line, whatever. You work your way up. What was that when you saw your name with Thompson and Greenway? That was pretty cool. Right when I got here, I, I ran into Donnie in the in the breakfast room, and you know he said, uh, "I'm going to push you with Tom and Greeny if uh, you're right with that." <laughs> No, I mean, no, yeah, I know. I had to think about it for a few seconds. So yeah, you know, I could probably probably fit in there. So no, it was it was pretty cool to 
you know, to get an opportunity with those guys. And, you know, that's why I think this organization is so great. You know, just get called up and you actually get put into to some meaningful minutes. So it's uh, it's been really cool for me. Take advantage of the opportunity once again and uh, put on a show for your parents too, okay? I'll try. Thank you. Brandon Byro has two goals in one game this year. Two shots on goal in that game against Philadelphia. He looks to keep it going tonight. And we just encourage you to get involved in the game and hopefully fall in love with it. Hockey instruction through Learn to Play for kids four to nine years old. You can receive head-to-toe hockey equipment and six weeks of on-ice instruction from certified coaches. Join today at sabers.com slash learn to play. It's a great program. You know all about it, Marty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just talking to Brandon there and knowing his brothers in year four of his, uh, you know, collegiate path at age 23. It's just another reminder that no one knows what is the next step on the journey. And for Byro, undrafted, you know, Lucas Rusek, well down on the draft yeah. totem pole in his draft year. Um, I, I kind of like where the group is at right now, being able to evaluate certain players while at the same time you can never know 100 percent, but you can be quite confident in what you also have in the system so this is an interesting window the team finds itself and one thing that we've talked about a lot about over the last few years is the amount of number one draft picks that the sabers have had right the yuri kulik and you know the matt savoy and the zach benson and roseanne and yes owen power and you look at all but it, it gets you to a place, yes, a first-round pick, you may get an opportunity that somebody else may not get early. But when you're in Rochester or in juniors or college, mm-hmm. you are in charge of your own opportunity. Yeah. Make it, right? Brendan Byro, undrafted, comes into Rochester, earns himself a role and the confidence that, wow, he could be really, really good player with the Buffalo Sabres. There, there you go. You get a call up two years ago. Last year would have gotten a call up yes. at the end of the season. He was injured, unfortunately. Now he gets he gets the first call up this year. Rusek the same thing. So yeah, I mean Kulik and Roseanne and Savoy are still in Rochester, and yeah, they have a game tonight. They have a game tomorrow. They're playing as a line, but other opportunities are there for players that maybe don't have the draft pedigree. But it doesn't matter. Once you're a, a pro, you make your own path. We've uh, got a rotating live studio audience today as we are located near the Sabres store, and we're seeing buses and buses and buses come in, which means tournament time at Harbor Center. Yes. And my palms get a little sweaty just thinking with anticipation what those days were like when you got out of school early and were able to head to a weekend hockey tournament. So I'm hopeful that there's a little bit of a carryover energy-wise, in the building tonight. Look, it's there was black, a practice it's, this morning. It's black and red, right? So there's already going to be this buzz because the Sabres are 12-1-1. and But when you get that influx of uh, a youth hockey tournament next door, should be a great weekend. You know they're going to be trying to get on the uh, Jumbotron during the game. <laughs> yes, and they're going to be dancing their yes, way yes. into some uh, you know, 15 seconds of fame. But I did stop by the bench this morning during the Sabres optional morning skate. And there was a hockey team right behind the bench, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, who are you? I'm like, ah, you don't want to know who I am. And they're like, what's your name? Marty. Are you a player? 
I used to. Then they're grilling me, right? So I'm grilling well, them. <laughs> I'm asking, you have a tournament next door? What's your position? How many goals you scored this year? Who's the goalie? Like, I'm going back at them, and we had a fun little exchange. But you're right. Those kids that are loving these weekend tournaments mm-hmm. bring so much energy, even to a morning skate when they're just standing by on the bench. Just like Shana Goldman, and she's straight ahead here on Sabres Live, there does appear to be, I don't want to say grave concern, but definitely concern about the warmth of uh, yours truly here. When the that, door's open. No, 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 but the, here's the thing. You are the one that actually complained about the cold yes. here today. I've actually been in a good place, but everybody thinks that because of what I'm wearing, I'm in a bad place. I was just ready to try to find as much black and red as I have. So I went with the new goat head cap and the uh, Sudbury dinner it's jacket, look. as it's uh, common, commonly jacket. referred to in northern Ontario. That is but, awesome. Uh, um, oh, look, there's our friend Amber from Community Relations. Yes. And uh, that, so, it's look, we're, we are in a great place here as we get set for this one tonight. And I know Byro was on the outside of it, having not lived in the black and red experience mm-hmm. yet. But this thing, conti- do you think we should be asking the general manager tonight whether they can change their schedule well, and, and <laughs> as far as how often they want to wear black and red. I, I think Would that be uh, inappropriate? I, I don't think he uh, he can make that call right now. The league mm-hmm. is very strict on those type of things. But funny enough, I asked Brendan Byro about the new pants, the new gloves and everything. Yeah. On the ice this morning, Devin Levi was wearing his royal and gold equipment that he will be wearing tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so knowing that maybe they may not be a morning skate. Are you sure skate, they weren't Devin Cooley's? They were not Devin Cooley's. He took his pants and his gear with him. But I looked to, because UPL was sitting on the bench just chatting a little bit, and he had his you know, black and red gear all set up, and it looks great. And yeah. I looked at Devin Levi, and he's got his royal and gold blue pants and everything. And yeah. I'm thinking, he's thinking of tomorrow night. Uh-huh. He wants to get his equipment yep. feeling right for tomorrow night. Which would tell me, UPL tonight, Levi tomorrow night. Fifth straight appearance for Uko Pekalukanen tonight, and he is uh, doing very well as a starter so far. He's 3-0 and in his yep. four decisions on the season. Great contractual news shared by the Bandits moments ago. This oh. is their house after whose house? It's uh, their house. And yes. a five-year contract for none other than the great Dane. This is a big deal. These are deals you do not see of this length in this league, and that is amazing for the future outlook of this current championship squad. Should we bark because it's a great Dane? No, but I have a feeling the Bandits are going to be woven throughout the evening tonight at the arena because um, uh, their camp begins tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah very, I, very much I uh, feel excited like for that. We championship all, vibes, baby. We should all be barking all at once to congratulate <laughs> the great Dane uh, in his new contract. He's not only a fantastic lacrosse player, but what a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so popular yes. every time he steps on that field and uh, the fans love him. Humble superstar is what he is and multiple time league MVP and just one of the biggest reasons why the Bandits now yes. have a fifth championship ring. Shayna Goldman our Friday staple is next here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Sabres look to make it three in a row and four out of five if they can knock down the Flyers tonight while wearing black and red here at KeyBank Center. We continue along from just outside the Sabres store and, of course, with, from The Athletic, our Friday feature, Shana Goldman. Hi, Shana. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're really good. We're really good. Now, Shana, um, we're in a different location at KeyBank Center today uh, because they're doing some work over there. So we're right in front of the Sabre store. And look what <laughs> I just, like, pulled out of the store as I'm... Oh, my look at God. The, look at how pretty this jersey is, right? And then... It's so nice. Like, is that... Would that be what you'd put in the back? Would you go with the power kill and the goal scorer of Tage Thompson if you could get one? Is that what it is? I mean, we love Tage Thompson, right? Our favorite French player, Tajay Thompson, of too many men. Like, we love him. <laughs> okay, well, listen. It didn't beep when I walked out of the store yet. I may not be in far enough. So <laughs> let's see what I can do with this bad boy before they know I took it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. We're also on theme with the red and black today. Like, we all know it's amazing, like, the magic, the vibes, the difference for the Sabres with the black and red jerseys. 12-1-1. They look to build upon that tonight. Tage Thompson has eight points in his last four games. And, Shana, he has also been a significant part of the renewed, reborn penalty kill that ranks fifth in the NHL. That must delight you to no end. Absolutely. It's funny coming into the season after we did player tiers, we talked to a couple team executives about Tage Thompson and his defensive skill. And it pretty much everyone said the same thing, right? Like this is one of the worst defensive forwards in the league. It's Alex Ovechkin caliber right here. And he came into the season and was like, no, I'm not. Absolutely. I'm not. Now, did he know I was planning a story to see how he stacked up to other top forwards defensively to see if he's actually the worst? I guess so, because he wanted to prove me wrong. But it's really impressive, and we see, you know, this innovative approach of having this more offensive player on the penalty kill because you're pushing the pace of play in your minutes. You're keeping play out of your own zone. You're forcing defenders to think twice about just creating offense because they have to think about defending now. It's it. It might sound like a strategy that comes at risk, but it's one that has proven to pay off. Now, what about his uh, penalty killing partner Jordan Greenway? Uh, when he was acquired last season, we all thought. 
Oh, here's the Granado effect. He knows him from the time of the program. He's going to, you know, try to bring back some of the, the special things that Jordan Greenway can do. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a, spe- a special t- a specialist on the PK with Tage Thompson. But not only that, he's on the top line with Tage Thompson. What has Jordan Greenway shown this year that we didn't see in his last little bit with the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, for me, Greenway brings a lot of skill sets that the that the Sabres are missing as a whole. It's tough to look at the entire team and say, well, the whole team's missing this. But like, this is a rush-based team, right? They're one of the best teams off the rush last year. But you need to have more than that. You need it that you have someone that can, you know, get pucks back, or make those retrievals in the defense in the offensive zone, and can keep plays alive. So you have more off the cycle and more off the forecheck. And that's what they were missing. That kind of aggressive forward who could complement those skill guys. And he's looking like that. And it's interesting because Greenway, when you look at that wild line with Joel Erksonek and Marcus Foligno, I felt like was, you know, the complimentary guy, the third guy of the combination. So this is a chance to prove that he's more than that. He's coming to a team where he was very like like-minded in Minnesota to be this unique skill set in Buffalo. So it seems to click really well. And on that top line with Tage Thompson, the interesting thing is with Dylan Cousins, that line's crushing it below the surface. They have excellent numbers on both ends of the ice. They don't allow much in their minutes, and they generate a ton of offense for. It just isn't reflected on the score sheet just yet. But generally speaking, when you have those strong underlying numbers, it's going to pay off. So they seem to be clicking there, and that's transferring to the penalty kill as well. You learn each other's tendencies that way. So it feels like he's what the Sabres need right now in that top nine. So the Sabres have the Flyers tonight, and then they're right into Toronto tomorrow. And the Leafs picked up a point against the Bruins last night, but both Vegas and the Bruins kept on with their winning ways. The Golden Knights are now 10-0-1. The Bruins are 9-0-1. It was actually quite the thriller between the Leafs and the Bees that ultimately ended in a shootout. We did have one uh person reach out to us at Sabres Live and question whether it was a Marshawn Slewfoot on Lilligren. Uh, how about a quick opinion on that particular play, but the entirety of the game, Toronto-Boston last night? Um, I do think it was a Slewfoot. It's Marshawn, and, you know, he's the Rat King captain in Boston. We all know what to expect from him to an extent. And it is kind of funny when you see plays like that happen, you never want to see an injury. And then you see the takes afterwards, like, well, they have Ryan Reeves and this still managed to happen. Like, would you look at that? In today's game, you have an enforcer and it doesn't matter. Who knew? But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that game, I think, is is a good one for Boston to win because Boston comes into it. And yes, they have this excellent record and I don't want to take anything away from them. But here the deck is stacked against them because their top pairs out. You have McAvoy. You know, uh, suspended and you have Grizzlick injured and the two of them have been really good to start the year. And the fact that you can have Grizzlick step back up with Mac- McAvoy means Lindholm can carry his own pair and that's a good thing. So, you know, I think it's a strong start because the Bruins had one of the easiest schedules to open the year. So those wins are great, and wonderful, and they do matter, obviously, but you need to see them go up against top competition in Toronto's that. Um, okay, well, I I will agree to disagree on the Marshan. I didn't think it was on purpose. I think he tried to lock six with Lilligren, and he got caught, and he went in. But there was another injury in the Carolina-New York Rangers game that I am on the fence with. Sebastian Ajo, knee collision with Adam Fox, and Fox left the game. What did you make of that incident with uh, two superstar players that are not known for dirty plays, but Aho kind of catches Fox knee to knee? Yeah, I didn't love it. Um, I think it should have been a penalty. He was away from the puck. I think, you yeah. know, 
it, it, it was missed by the referees, but I don't think it's this like egregious, malicious thing. Mike Rupp did a really good breakdown of it. I like that. He was saying, you know, I was looking at Fox and if you want to try to slow him down, you might think, let me take a piece off of him in a way, I think is how he described it. So it makes sense. You might go for the contact there. Do I think you need to? No. Do I think you need to put your leg out there? No, I didn't love it. It's always unfortunate when one of the stars of the game is injured because the game's better when we have all the exciting players on the ice, right? In every opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think at the very least, at the very least, it should have been a minor penalty. And the result is worse than like the infraction itself. We'll probably get into more of the action last night coming up, but I do want your strongest opinion on will we no. see a Hughes yeah. win all three major awards, uh, as in Jack winning, well, could be the Art Ross and the Hart, uh, Quinn could win the Norris, and Luke could win the Calder. Like, how crazy is this moment in time in the NHL? Totally crazy. Totally cool, though, to see it. You know, I feel like we all get so excited, like the stall bowls that we've seen in the past. But here it is. You have three elite talents all going into the prime of their careers or just in them. Um, It's really exciting. But I think, okay, I don't think Quinn Hughes is going to win the Norris, but I think he's going to have a good shot at it this year compared to years past. He's going up against top competition and his numbers right now are excellent. Yes, going into last night's game, I know that. Uh, Vancouver was outscoring opponents 9-2 to in his minutes with Philip Ronick. That's really impressive, and the underlying numbers don't quite match that, but they're still very good. So I think he's in his mm-hmm. best position to be a finalist for it, but I don't think he's going to win, and I think someone else is going to jump out and take it from him. Uh, Hart Trophy, though, I could see Jack winning it, absolutely. I think everyone has Connor McDavid fatigue, even though it felt like they had that two years ago. And for the Calder, I don't think Luke Hughes is going to get it because I think everyone's going to look at it and go, well, look at the competition he has to play with. Look at the quality of teammates he has to play with. He's sheltered in his third pair of minutes and he has Jack on the power play pumping up his value. So I feel like there's going to be like convoluted ways to talk out of, you know, all three getting it. But I think I think Jack is the front runner for the heart and he could be at the end of the year. He was, I would say, top five last year. You mentioned Quint Hughes in Vancouver. Um they won 10 to 1 in San Jose last night. It was 10 nothing in the third period. And if I was a Sharks fan, I would have uh, probably walked out and I never walk out on any games. But um, Rick Tockett, Rick Tockett is the guy behind the bench now. And in game three of the season, he ripped his team. He basically said, we're soft. Like other than Thatcher Demko, like who had a good game? Nobody. And that was game three of the season. And then after that, they seemed to be going Really, really well. Uh, is Rick Tockett, uh, d- like a good coach? Like I never saw him being a good coach in Arizona, but now in Vancouver, it seems like he's pushing all the right buttons. Yeah. When he went to Arizona, I kind of wondered, like, is he good on his own or is he very good in assistant coach capacity? Which can be the case for some coaches, right? They're specialists, they're skills coaches. They know how to motivate certain players. They know how to work on certain schemes, but they're not people managers. So you have something to prove and maybe you don't figure it out in your first tenure. That's why like, I don't have a problem when a coach gets that second turn. It's the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth that, you know, we have to have a conversation <laughs> about. But with Tockett here, it's interesting because I think that he's in a position to open his mouth about the team on game three because he was there to end last season versus just coming in this summer. Then it would have been a little bit different. But I, I do wonder if he's the right voice for this team because they need they need something, right? Like this team needs something. They can't go into it every single year and go, well, we're going to have a couple 
bad games and now we need to fire a coach and we're gonna have a great stretch and then we're all gonna fall apart again so i'm very curious like is is he the right people manager did they just find the right tacticians is it a matter of players like Pedersen and quinn hughes playing so lights out that it's going to elevate the group around him like i'm really curious to see and if we see brock fester have a career year you know i think we could look at what talk did with Phil Kessel too and goes is he a specialist for kind of like igniting these maybe one-dimensional wingers who we all want to see more from Borho had last year you know Rick Tockett kind of took him to a place and then he gets traded and yeah doesn't seem like it's the same but you, there's so many guys in Vancouver that are going well JT Miller obviously also and if he just uh, hovers around 100 points which is quite possible and Demko has the year that he's capable of this team uh, might well live up to their lofty status already which is 40 Six goals, four through their first ten games. That came three shy of the record set most recently by the Buffalo Sabres in 06-07. President's Trophy winning year, by the way. And uh, Pittsburgh did it also in 95-96. So this is elite company, and obviously they'll take the ten spot that they put up against San Jose last night and move forward with it. Um, Since we're on the coast, can I gush for the first time this year, and definitely not for the last about maybe my all-time favorite player in the league right now, Andre Kopitar. <laughs> Another game winner last night, making it look like, with a point-of-game start to the season, that there should be no fear of his contract extension, Shayna, that was signed this offseason. Yeah, it feels like that contract could really age well, too, because they're supporting him the right way. I think getting Philip Deneau was yes. the best thing for his career because this is someone that has been thrown to the fire year after year, and at a certain point in your career, you know, we see defensive skill and we see offensive skill. And sometimes we have to wonder which of them is going to curve first. Which one's going to start declining first? And defensive skill sometimes can be upheld a little bit better. But obviously it helps if you have some dimension to your game. We know volume shooters tend to age better than passers. And, you know, that tends to age better than elite finishers. And with Kopitar, you're someone that has a little bit of everything. So you hope that it doesn't all decline together. So you have to get that player in a position to succeed. And I think that getting to know really helps split the workload for him. He had an outstanding season last year. And now the team's even deeper, right? You can put him in more offensive situations you could also put him in more defensive situations you have options to go on his wing which they haven't always had so it's not just Kempe him and some other guy you could throw Fiala there you have Pierre-Luc Dubois you could shift Kopitar to the wing if you ever needed to because now you have another center in the mix to have versatility in your lineup positionally and I would say skill set wise is one of the best weapons that you can have and the Kings really nailed it this year Kings won in Ottawa last night. They are 5-0 and on the road. And that's where I wanted to go. As any teams have ever had a worse week than the Ottawa Senators, last we talked to you, it was the Shane Pinto thing. But now, since then, they've not won a game. They lost a GM. They lost a first-round pick. They um, had two more players go down with injuries last, last night. Um, have the Ottawa Senators hit rock bottom in the last week? They're cursed. They're simply cursed. I don't know what they did in the past <laughs> life, but them. oh my God, they must have done something to deserve this start. Um, it's terrible. It really is. You know, like you see like the Zub injury and then he was able to come back and Brandstrom and Shabbat and you're like, okay, a diminished blue line. That's going to be a challenge for a team that needs work defensively. And to lose Greg is really tough because he has been so good defensively. Like their biggest problem right now, I think, is that they don't have many good defensive forwards. And sometimes you can get by with that if you have a really strong blue line. Well, there's a little bit suspect. So to have someone that really brought in an area of strength that they're already missing from Pinto, he was the reason I think they were able to like deal with that Pinto loss. 
Oh my god, they are cursed. But I, I want to think that there's a new vibe coming in. I really liked everything we heard from Ann Lauer, that he actually stood up for his team and was super bold against the league, which we don't always see happen. And, you know, I think Steos mm-hmm. is the person we all were waiting to see when he'd become the general manager uh, in Ottawa. It was a matter of, like, you know, when, not if. So I want to see what he brings because I think he has a fresh approach that they've been missing. Agree with all of that wholeheartedly, Ridley Gregg. Uh, have you seen any update yet today on him? Not seen updates uh, yet. I mean, obviously, he started the year so well from a point standpoint, but Shana, you're so right to mention the defensive side of it. He is uh, tied for second in rookie scoring right now. But he's been one of those under-the-radar prospects for two years and uh, and then delivered exactly as they hoped here to start this season. So we'll see how Ottawa figures it out. Uh, anything else from last night, Shana, that caught your eye before we uh, bid you adieu for the weekend? Um, I, that Oilers-Stars game was the one that like really had oh, my yes, attention. Oh, yes, of course. That finish. That, that, su- that finish by Edmonton. That- <laughs> um, I, that, I like the way the Oilers played comparatively, right? Like We were talking about their back in the whole yeah. year. Oh, look at how they switch systems, and I feel like they just need off. If they're going to switch, right? You need your offense to kick it up, and it feels like what they're really missing is power play scoring. It's not where it should be either. And here it was, a matchup against contenders, and I think that they got goalied by Scott Wedgwood, who was just fantastic. So, you know, it's two teams that each have to work out their power play. He got beaten on another one of those horrific broken plays that we've had two of in the Sabres this year. And it was just like, oh, boy, now that that one went in, this this could open the floodgates. And uh, he was very 25 shots in the third period for the Oilers. That's uh, usually a game in itself, and they were able to do that, but they couldn't score the last goal to tie it up. 46 saves on 49 shots for Wedgwood in the win as Dallas improves to 7-1-1 on the year. Shana, thank you for, as always, the black and red vibes, and uh, we'll see you soon. Marty's packed. Packaging up your gift as we speak. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Shana Goldman from The Athletic. We're back after this. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Nice of Marty to foot the bill for Shana's new jersey. Uh, I will uh, offset the cost <laughs> by going... waiving my uh, request for a Christmas gift exchange from you this year. So no, okay. that'll we... knock 25 I... off the purchase price. I have so. an idea for a gift exchange already because we'll be in New York City right before that. Um, no, this is definitely going to be a uh, submitted uh, receipt to, uh, <laughs> to the IROPS. Uh, listen. <laughs> Why not, right? Like Why this not? is part of the Why team. Not? Part Why of not? Shana's part of the team. She's she deserves team. a Tajay Thompson jersey um, when she does her, her and too her many crew, men. Too many yes. men is just amazing. Uh, Mayday Buffalo is going to be performing tonight yes. in the arena, so I'm excited about that and uh, more excited for Black and Red and the opportunity that's in front of them tonight because of exactly what Don Granado said. There are wins, but then there are opportunities to make adjustments and, from an individual standpoint, put your best foot moving forward. No, that's, uh, you know, you won two in a row, now win three in a row. And then tomorrow night, four in a row. That's the way it goes. Let me ask you this this or that quickly. Sign or not sign? Uh, Not sign. Not sign. You know what? That's what I was thinking, but I'm like, people think it's crazy that we would not. I don't see her as a collector that would need it signed. Um, Perfect. It's Erson and Lukanen tonight. Yes, expectations. Uh, expectation. I, I want Ukopeka Lukin to continue playing with that that energy, that pop, right? Like get quick to your spot, quick on recoveries, and 
pucks to the net early. Sam Erson has given up a lot of goals in his time this year. Pucks to the net early. See you tonight, 6.30 on MSG. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.